This is Lead and Believe. Oh, I believe, Benny, but can you help me lead? This is a podcast for leaders who want to build a world-class culture. That's what I'm talking about. I'm Brad Gustafson. And I'm Ben Gilpin. Here we go, Ben! Today, diving into leadership per usual, talking about the hidden interview gems and the things a leader might miss during an interview. Have you ever missed anything during an interview? Benny. Oh my goodness. Uh, yes. And to me, this is a critical topic because the quote unquote, the right hire, the right hire vaults your organization forward, but the wrong hire, you can sometimes feel those effects for years and years down the road. And probably the people who, whether it was a fit issue or something that was missed during an interview, they are human beings as well. And if they can struggle too, if, if we get it wrong or when we get it wrong, that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Yeah. But people, what we're not going to get into is we're really not going to get into like the legalities of things. We're going to talk more about where, where did that come from? I wasn't planning on legal. That's where your brain went. The legalities. No, no. I want to make sure people know that we're not going to talk about legalities. We're going to talk about the raw dealings of finding the very best candidate. All right, first, let's go gems. And my brain goes to, forgive me for this, Ben, the NFL draft. And you know how they talk about drafting a quarterback and very rarely is the number one pick overall, very rarely do they turn into the perfect quarterback. Meaning, meaning the draft is not perfect. You know, you could get hidden gems or even an undrafted quarterback who who ends up doing okay. So the analogy, of course, that I'm trying to suggest is that there's probably not a perfect interview format and we're not going to sit and pretend that everything we say, especially what Ben says, is correct. (laughs) However, we probably over the years have stumbled upon some hidden gems that have helped us help our teams in the hiring process more than they've hurt us. Is that a fair assessment? It's absolutely a fair assessment. I think it's also fair to say, let's be a little bit vulnerable here. So the vast majority of leaders have not gone to take a specific class in hiring. Possibly, I guess. Yeah, probably. So the the vast majority of leaders, uh, it is assumed, dangerous there, it is assumed that they just naturally know how to hire quality candidates. Yeah, that could be. It's also a wonderment. I wonder, Here, I'm going to go the curiosity route, I wonder what training formal and informal hiring administrators have in all different sectors. I also wonder what the variability would be between sectors. I think most people know that we're in education, but I just kind of wonder how that works, whether it's in the business sector or otherwise. Benny, what's a hidden gem or or something that you've come across in the hiring process that has been helpful or made made a positive difference? I think my biggest growth has occurred in reflecting and analyzing both, reflecting and analyzing on both successful hires and poor hires. And so I've then looked inside myself to figure out what did I as a leader not do well with some quote unquote poor hires. Okay. So can you give a gem, a tangible gem then? So I heard you say reflecting But then what have you unearthed? What has been helpful or hurtful then? Because I'm expecting, Ben, that when we are done, when when we hang up here, that I am going to go hire amazing people in part by the gem that you're about to drop. So no pressure, Gilpin. 
Okay. So, okay. To me, in my leadership journey, this is a gem, even though I think it's going to be different than most. So we're dealing with humans. We're dealing with people. And so since we're dealing with humans and people there, to me, I can, I can look at three main things that we oftentimes look for in people, skill, resume, or experiences, and what I'll call heart. So hear me again, skill, resume, and heart. If I were to say to you, Brad Gustafson, rank those three from most important to least important, I would fair to mention, I think when I started, and I'll focus on me, that I was looking for skill. Skill was my number one. And then I went resume, and then I went down to heart. And here's the gem you were looking for. I know I have become a much better hiring leader when I flip the script and I go heart. I look for a person's heart. I look for their mindset. That becomes the top tier. Next in line, I look at their skill. And finally, I'm looking at resume and experiences. So there's your gem. I go heart above skill. Okay. I heard you use the, the V word earlier, vulnerability. I'm feeling yep. like the Fonz on Happy Days. V, 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 v. I can't say it, uh, but, I, <laughs> but I will. So when I, a long time ago, Ben, I do vividly recall in hiring, look like if people had experience with a smart board, you know, a certain technology, they were... <laughs> at least from an experience or skill standpoint, they had something that a lot of people didn't have. And I, that weighed in maybe even more than it should have. So I'm just, I've realized over time how much I've learned and what, like what matters and what, what can be trained, if that makes sense. Well, the truth, the truth of the matter is if I'm hiring a plumber, if I'm hiring someone to do my roof, then skill really matters to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think it matters here too. Here's the thing I was reading an article this weekend and it talked about great leaders and it was interesting. I'm going off memory here. I wasn't planning to reference this, but you jog my memory. It said leaders who lead for relationships, kind of social, maybe heart to use your word, are perceived as effective by their teams 12% of the time. Leaders who lead for results or skill 14% of the time. That's not very, neither of those are very good, but leaders who lead for both or in today's focus might be leaders who hire with both in mind. Any idea on how often or what the percentage of time they're viewed as being effective and great? 16%. Okay. 72%, I think it was, Ben. Oh, wow. So so one or the other, not very impressive, but when you lead for, when you focus on results and people and relationships. When you do that, I mean, in this day and age, 72% of the people don't agree on many things, especially when it's what a leader does. So that's a high number. Here's another fascinating thing. And I promise I'll be done. Um, I don't want to put you to sleep here, Ben, but what percentage of leaders in all sectors, because that's what this article was for, do you think actually lead in both those areas? Because I think it's obvious that we probably want to. We want to get results. We want to lead for people. But what percentage of people, what percentage of leaders actually do you think pull that off and do it? Less than 10%. You are correct. It's less than 1%. Ooh. It was 0.77, Ben. Mm-hmm. So there's probably a lot of people listening, like myself, who think, yeah, I get it. I, th- duh, that's important. And duh, I probably do that. 
But the reality is most people, the overwhelming majority, don't. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. Yeah. I can go back in my experience memory bank as a leader and I can tell you that there's a couple of individuals that really stand out as probably my greatest hires of all time. And what I found with those two individuals over over my vast hiring years is that number one, both of those individuals had a tangible passion for what they did and for working with people and for working with kids and for for growth. The other piece that both of them had was this level of energy. And sometimes, sometimes we can tangibly call that like they had this dynamic nature to them draw you in, pull you in, you, they galvanize, they, they kind of have that ability to kind of capture the room. And then the third component that, that I would also say the two individuals had is, and this is, to me, this is a huge component. It, go, it ties into that first one, this growth mindset, but not only a growth mindset to get better, but also being able to share that they had a depth of knowledge coming in. And so I look at those two candidates and I say to myself, to me, to me, when I first met those two individuals, neither one of them had a wealth of experience, but they had these intangibles that from the other side of the desk, as the person doing the hiring, they had this quality that you just, sometimes you can't always quantify, you feel. And so I'm, as I say that to you, I think all of us that, that are in leadership have been in a space where we see the resume, we see the skill set, but there's also one tangible thing we can't always quantify. It's the feel, the energy in the room, the capture. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. And there might be people listening saying, Ben, it sounds a lot like you're asking me to hire, not a unicorn, but to hire with like a unicorn finder or a unicorn detector. Giving people, like having a feeling, (laughs) you have one of those, uh, I don't know, I think I want to challenge us and people listening, like, tell me more about that feeling, because just saying it's just a feeling, like, do you have a rubric then where you're (laughs) gauging your feelings during interviews? But see, whoa, 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 time out, I'm cutting you off right there. Okay. That's where the problem lies. What? That's, see, to me, and, and that's where I feel like some people make the mistake. The mistake is that we, we want a rubric for everything <laughs> that the mistake made is we, we want to create these cookie cutters so that we never make a mistake. So when you hand in your hiring paperwork, although now you're at the top desk, so you hand it into yourself and, and you ask yourself, what was my criteria? And then do you whisper in your ear? Trust me, it was a feeling. That's not a gem, Ben. That is not the kind of gem that I wanted today. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I hear you, but this is, see, to me, this is, this is great that we don't see eye to eye on this because I'm a firm believer that the mistakes made in hiring is because we get too rigid and we try to follow a script. Okay. Well, and now I'm getting into legalities. I think in some ways a a script is important just for the the access. But but here's, but here's where the problem is. Yeah. Here's where the problem lies. So if you look at, if I go back to how I originally talked about skill, resume, and heart. Most people, you can quantify 
You can see what their degree is. You can see what their GPA was. You can quantify that skill. Most people, you can look at people on paper and you can say on paper, this is the most qualified person. Okay. I'm going to challenge and say, if we consistently over time have always done it that way, where we pick the most skilled person and the person with the strongest resume, that person is almost always... 100% 100% of the time, there's no way that person's always the best fit. And part of the organization is not just skill. Well, and obviously, but obviously they're not always the best fit. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to do the interview. You know what I mean? Right. So here, yeah. so let, then going a little deeper, it's not a gem for me yet. I'll get to my gem maybe as a closing comment or, or quip. <laughs> <laughs> it's the adage of hire for attitude because you can't train attitude as easily as you can train skill, which I think would be partly where the interview can help get at that thing that you said, growth minds. Like, is this person a learner? Do they have the energy? Now I'm chasing unicorns using the word energy, but do they have the, the energy and disposition and, and skill set that feels like it's going to elevate a room? Yes. Yes. As opposed to, do they know how to turn on a smart board or teach someone to use a smart board? I, I, because I do, the adage is you can train someone how to do X, Y, or Z. You can't necessarily train them how to choose a mindset that's going to make a difference for themselves and others. Look at you talking yourself into my... You're a good coach, Ben. You're coaching me up here. That's it. See, that's my point. That, ultimately, you just laid out my point for me because if they have a growth mindset... I can get them trained. I can help them continue to learn. I can give them some professional development, whatever it happens to take to kind of help them continue their climb. How do you know? How do you know if they, how are you going to figure out in an interview if they have a growth mindset or not? Oh, I mean, there's, I mean, quite frankly, there, there are lots of interview questions that help kind of dive into that, that fit piece. I don't need an exact question, but I need you to give me some semblance of a way. Maybe it's an example question. Maybe it's something you're going to look for in something they say, but give me something. How, how are you going to notice someone or even differentiate or discern growth mindset? Uh, less sure. Not sure about the mindset. Ooh. Because if, it, if it's impo- as important as I think we're agreeing that it might be, yep. then there shouldn't there be some type of reliable measure to unearth it? So I've asked questions before about, um, tell me the last book you read. People will, people will name the book, and then that's going to be a follow-up question. Tell me more about that book. Yeah, yeah. We've done, and I, I'm not going to share on public airways the exact prompt, but oftentimes <laughs> a writing prompt that that lets people go deeper than than the the conversational part of the interview and it gives them an opportunity to share or reflect what they might do different in a situation or what they would have done different and that it's interesting to hear how people reflect on past kind of work they've done if if it makes sense even when the work was good does that does that make sense oh yeah 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 yep yeah so here's what we're going to have to do right now we're talking hidden interview gems and then the things a leader might miss during an interview. I am sensing a two-parter here because I do want to get into the things a leader might miss, but that's that's going to have to be another show. Uh, what do you got for like a, a final hammer here? Hit this one home, hidden interview gems. What, what are you taking away from this conversation? Or maybe you want to add to something that wasn't shared. I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to leave it at this before we go to 
section two or chapter two, we'll call it next time. I would say to leaders, if you do what you've always done, how has that worked for you? And to me, as a leader, I think you'll find great benefit in reflecting about your hiring practices for your wins and the ones that weren't the best hits. Reflection to me is a key component in becoming a better, more improved growth mindset hiring individual. So out of curiosity, when does that reflection, I know this is supposed to be the power closing and I'm slowing it down here, Benny, but when does that reflection take place? Is it a year later when when the place is burning down or is it a week later after you're feeling pretty good about the hire? I tell you, my I had an individual that um, is near and dear to me that I would actually say within the first eight months, I thought was a miss. However, I, I got some great advice from a mentor and a friend that said, don't stop working. And two, three years down the road, she became an absolute dynamite, one of the greatest hires I ever had. But her first year was a real struggle. I think as a leader, that reflection is ongoing. That reflection happens happens at the end of year one. That reflection happens at the end of year two, because every single year we're hiring. There's going to be somebody that we're hiring. So we should be constantly reflecting, how have my past practices worked? What can I learn and grow from those past practices? Yeah, this gets into a whole nother aspect of people development. So it's not just the hire or the retention, but it's developing the people that you're excited about bringing onto your team so that they can, you know, grow. What do you got? What do you got? What's your gem for the night? My hidden gem actually is being developed as we talk. Like you actually elicited this one. Yes, unicorn. I wonder if my hidden gem isn't trying to recalibrate some of the questions that we're asking in interviews to make sure that they align with that research study that I cited or um, referenced. Whereas am I asking not just about heart, but also results? So whatever sector you're serving in, you know, are we bringing in people who have emotional intelligence and, and who can make a difference in other ways? That makes sense? It does. So just being more intentional with, um, not, I don't want to simplify it just by saying in the interview question, but just through conversation, making sure, and part of it is just in communicating about who we want to be as people, as organizations, that we want to be people not only who elevate each other in a personal way, like emotional regulation, emotional support, kind of human capacity, but also that we want to be growing. And we're in a learning institution, so we want we want kids to learn. We want to learn. We want to improve that way. That's part of our result. Does that, does that make sense? Sometimes I need you to repeat or, or like translate for me. <laughs> no, I, I think so. People, as you listen to episode, so this is going to be a two-parter. So episode one of the of uh, when we look for those gems in the hiring practices, to me, the beautiful part of this conversation that took place today is Brad and I actually are not completely on the same page. And I love the fact that the two of us can have this conversation where we have different slightly different philosophies. And so as you listen to this, we would love to get your take. What are some of your hiring philosophies and where do we go from here? Because we are going to have chapter two coming at you probably in the next couple of weeks. So thanks again. That's right. Episode one here (laughs) was gems. Next time it's misses. You're going to carry that one, aren't you, buddy? Of course, I got that, Bill. (laughs) Okay, everybody, Uh, make sure you use the hashtag lead and believe. Until next time. Thanks, Brad. 
Thanks, Ben. Creating a world-class culture requires intention and optimism. That's right, Optin. It's the small steps a leader takes that matter most. We hope today's conversation helps you move hearts and mountains as you lead and believe. Believe.